Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. And as we get started today, I want to give a big hand for the parking lot crew. Can you give the parking lot, the men and women that serve in the parking lot? As I was coming in this morning, I was told like we're almost out of spots or out of spots, which you can park at Starbucks because we own Starbucks. I'm just teasing. You can park anywhere on the parking lot you want to park, but we'll continue to make sure that there's room. But that, that is a good problem to have. And uh, so anyhow, I just want to give a big shout out. I see those guys and gals out there. It's, man, it doesn't matter if it's snowing, if it's raining, if it's sunny in 75. They're putting out sandwich boards and, and putting out uh, signs and flags and banners and directing. And I just want to give a big, huge shout out to those men and women that work every week, week in and week out, to make sure to accommodate all of us, because nobody ever fights when they're in a car on the way to church, right? That's why Tammy and I drive two separate cars. Just telling you, it works every time. True. But anyhow, so, um, but uh, I just want to give a big shout out to them. And I also just want to take a moment and just say thank you as a congregation. Um, there's a lot that, there's a lot that goes on in, in a good way that you don't always get to hear about. And uh, one of the things that the board is so kind to let Tammy and I be able to lead and do some, do some things that are, uh, I would call it, be, be an extension of Life Church, um, and, uh, and have done so for many, many years. And one of those things is I serve as a chairman of a board for Global University Cuba Bible College. And so basically training about 3,000 pastors on the island nation of Cuba. Been to Cuba several times. Matter of fact, if you ever want to go with me, you're welcome to go. Uh, I go from time to time, and we get special visas to get into the country and do our stuff and then get back out. And, uh, but uh, just this past week, we were there at a fundraising event to be able to, to be a part of what's happening and, and been able to raise $5.5 million over the last several years to be able to do that. Uh, of people that are just, they have a heart and a passion for that nation and to see what God's doing. And again, stuff that you don't see on the news, stuff that the, that the media doesn't cover, but how God is working and what God is doing, and even some of the hardships that are going on. And so again, what's happening at Life Church is, again, there are so many great things that are happening that we don't have the ability in a weekend to give you all the information and the intel of what's happening. Uh, not because we don't want to, we just don't have time. But I just want to say thanks, and, uh, and thanks for a, a weekend off and a weekend away last weekend to be able to go and do that and be able to invest in that, and, uh, and then be able to get back here. I don't know. I was at the airport late last night. I'm hitting it. People are like, oh, we're back to the snow. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. And you, you're laughing at that. But I'm just like, I love living here. I think it's great. And, and, and I looked out the window today. I know there's snow and there's all that stuff going on. I get all that blah, 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 blah. But you realize, like, we're like, this week is March, which means it's going to melt. Amen? No? Yes? And it's going to melt. And it'll come, but it'll go. At this point, baby, we are through another winter. I have hash marks in my basement for 20 winters that I've survived. <laughs> yet another one. Don't gloat over me, my enemy, for though I have fallen, yet I will arise, David said. So anyhow, another winter we've overcome. Hallelujah. And those, 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 those really, those snowflakes that just melt, that just can't handle it like you wonderful Wisconsin people can. Just let them stand in line and look at you. All right? Is that good? No? Some of you are going, what is he on? It's just hot tea. Okay, so today, if you have your Bibles, I'm gonna, the first scripture I'm going to go to is Ezekiel 26. We're in this series for red, called Red Flags. Ryan did a great job talking about dating. Ryan, Pastor Ryan loves to talk about dating. And um, when we did the draw for how we were doing this, he's like, dating. I, I get to talk about dating. And I go, well, better you than me. I don't want to talk about dating. 
you know, so anyhow, but he did a great job last weekend. You guys agree? Give Pastor Ryan a big hand. Great job. Great job. So he's got two teenagers in service. So I hope, I hope Ben and May were listening because he is laying the law down right there. And uh, anyhow, so, uh, but today we're going to talk about marriage and, uh, and marriages. And, and I want to focus on this a little bit um, because there's four dangerous lies that are told that we tell ourselves or that are told in our society and our culture that basically can destroy your marriage. And there are things that we kind of believe sometimes. And so the first of this, if you're taking notes, is I can change them. If you're taking notes, just write that down. I can change them. You can't even say that without laughing, can you? Like I put in my notes, LOL. Like this is crazy. I can change them. There is no way. <laughs> Someone said it this way. Listen to this. Men marry women hoping they won't change. Guys, don't say anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm helping you. And women marry men hoping they will change. <laughs> Inevitably, both are disappointed. It's true. There's no amount of hoping, no amount of wishing, no amount of nagging that can change someone. You have a hard enough time changing yourself, much less somebody else. And so the truth of the matter is only God can change a heart. Only God can do the changing that needs to be done. And if you're in a marriage today where you really think something needs to change, we're just going to hear this, only God can change the heart. Ezekiel 26, verse 36, it says this, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Only God can change a heart. Now, here's what's interesting about the heart and changing a heart is that when the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this isn't in your notes, and I don't have the scripture exactly where he said this, but when they confront Jesus and they say, look, Moses gave a right of divorcement. The Levitical law, the Mosaic law, the covenant of God in the Old Testament, Moses was given a right of divorcement. What do you say about this? And, and, and what's this? And, and, and Jesus comes back with, it's, it, the reason why this was given, that that was given was because of the hardening of man's heart. Because what happens is one heart's hard and one heart's open. And the open heart begins to pray, begins to believe, begins to whatever. And God begins to do the work on that hard heart. And that hard heart begins to open at the same time, if you're not careful, the open heart begins to close because they begin to become kind of, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, the Bible says, and they close up. And the reason why that happens is because you're trying to change someone whose heart may be hard to a particular issue or a particular situation, or maybe it's your own. And the only person that can change is the heart, is the Lord. That's the only way change can happen. So when you're praying for someone, your spouse, there's two ways for a change. There's two ways to pray. And if you're in a situation today where you're like, something needs to change and here's the problem and here's whatever, okay. First of all, pray for God to change them. Make it a matter of prayer. Keep your heart soft before the Lord. Don't let your heart become hard, but keep your heart soft before the Lord and begin to pray, God, I pray that you for, for my spouse. Begin to pray for them. The second thing to do is to begin to pray for yourself. Because sometimes we have blinders on it. Sometimes we don't see, you know, we see the speck in somebody else's eye, but we don't see the lumber mill in our own eye, right? We don't see the beam sticking out of our own eye because we, we, we lack self-awareness. We lack an understanding of who we are. And so, so James says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
And so when we began to pray, we began to pray, God, we pray that you would change our spouse. But we also began to pray, God, change me. And if you have a spouse that's far away from the Lord, keep your heart soft, keep your heart warm, but begin and continue to pray for that spouse. Don't ever quit praying for that spouse. And if you're single, listen to me. Do not marry someone in hopes that they're going to get saved or be changed. Don't marry someone thinking, I can change them. Don't marry someone saying, that this is, this is the download for you, that if I just do this, or they just don't understand, or my parents just don't get it. No, no, no. What your parents see is the qualities that are going to continue to clash in your own life because they know you. It's not trying to control you. It's not trying to harm you. It's not trying to hurt you. It's understanding that you cannot change another person. Only God can do that. Second lie that we tell ourselves that destroy marriages is that a good marriage is 50-50. A good marriage is 50-50. You do your 50, I do my 50. And your 50 and my 50 come together and we make a whole. The problem with 50-50 propositions is that you wind up keeping score. Oh, yeah, tweet that out, baby. The problem with 50-50 is that you wind up keeping score. Like you have, you have friends who, hey, they, they pay for this, and then, oh, I'll get you the next time, and then you remember, well, I bought lunch last time, and, the, you know, and you keep score. This is the same way in marriage. If you're holding your 50% and you're holding your 50%, inevitably you wind up keeping score. And what happens with this is that marriage is meant to be relational, not transactional. And when you go 50-50, it's all transactional. And you wonder why you lost that love and feeling that's gone, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Because it's a transaction, baby. It's just a contract. It's just you do your part, I do my part. And I get it. Sometimes when you're in the thick of, of kids and everything that's going on, and, man, to have a date night is like the hardest thing in the world to do. And, and it, you're fighting just to have any amount of time. And by the time that the kids are put down for the night, you are exhausted. And, and she just wants to get on social media and just kind of veg out and you want to watch a game or sports center and you're just kind of like, and you have to fight for that time that the deal is, is that you want to make sure it's relational, not transactional because marriage as God intended is always a hundred percent. One spouse gives a hundred percent. The other spouse gives a hundred percent. You both come to this with a hundred percent. I said this in week one of this series, marriage and life is like a cup and you get to choose what you fill it with. But if your cup is half full and their cup is half full, you don't take two half full cups and make one full cup. No, it's your, high, your, your, your cup of your life needs to be hundred percent full of the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then you love your neighbors yourself. That would include your spouse your kids, your family, your friends, your neighbors, all the other people in your world. But you fill your cup 100% full and you find someone who the cup of their life is filled 100% full with Jesus and the two of you come together and the two become one. 200% come together to become one flesh. That's how God designed it. But we think that sometimes, well, it's this 50-50 thing. No, it's a relationship. It's 100-100. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says this, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself 50% for it. No, right? We don't like that. I don't even like that. It doesn't even sound right. But no, the Bible says that husbands love your wives uh, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It's 100%. It's all of you. This is how we are to love. Now, let me say this. It's interesting in Scripture. It never tells a wife to love the husband. It tells the husband to love the wife. Now, that doesn't mean, ladies, 
right? Well, I have to love him. Three circles and a snap. No, 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 no. What it means is men, well, it's just not how my people do it. Well, your people better learn or your people's going to be out. You know what I'm saying? Well, we, you just, we, we just, you know, uh, told her I loved her on the day we got married. If that changes, I'll let her know. Boy, that's really great, isn't it? <laughs> How's that working for you? How do you like sleeping in that lazy boy? That's what I want to know. Because the deal is, is that it tells us, and, and, the, and what's interesting, this is 2,000 years ago. <laughs> this is, none of us are around. And it's still the same issue. Guys? We have to be individuals and people that we've got to be cognizant and sometimes even told, hey, don't forget, you need to love your wife. How as Christ loved the church. So the church is the bride of Christ and Jesus is the groom. It's the metaphor that we're given in scripture that Jesus gives of himself. Paul will reiterate it when he talks to the church in Corinth about the body of Christ. But the, but the, but the reality is, is that we are there to give of ourselves 100%. And when you do that, it's amazing how you cultivate that relationship with your wife, how your wife follows suit. Comfort and convenience are always 50-50. And they have a way of cheapening our relationships and eroding our soul's happiness. There is no 50-50. It's just 100-100. Love all the way third lie that we tell ourselves that erode marriages is that this small thing is inconsequential. It's no big deal. It's just a little thing. This small thing is inconsequential. Big sins that destroy marriages start out as small sins that weren't dealt with. Let me say that again. Big sins that destroy marriages, that destroy homes, started out as small sins that weren't dealt with. Song of Solomon, Old Testament, Chapter 2, verse 15, catch us, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, for our vineyards that are in bloom. He's metaphorically speaking here, and the vineyard is a healthy relationship, and the little foxes are the small problems, the small hindrances, the sins that have the ability to ultimately spoil and ruin the relationship, ruin this vineyard that's in full bloom. Little foxes. What are you talking about? I'm talking about maybe a critical spirit. The spouse is never good enough. They're, 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 they're never enough. That can go both ways. Lustful thoughts. It's easy. It is easy to, to be married and not a long period of time and all of a sudden someone catches your eye. It could be someone at the office. It could be someone in the neighborhood. It could be someone that you're just walking down the street and, you, and if you're not careful, these lustful thoughts begin to come in. sin. Things that we do that we tell white lies to one another. We tell these things that we, it's not a big deal. It's, it's no big deal. He doesn't need to know this. She doesn't need to, need, need to know this. Spending habits and things that are happening that she doesn't need to know. He doesn't need to know. I'm just going to cover this. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to. That's the little foxes. The little things that just kind of come in, begin to kind of take root. And you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's in your brain right now. You, as soon as I said that, you were like, oh my, my goodness, I don't even want to make eye contact. I don't want to look. I don't even want to, if he's looking at me, what's he going to think? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Yes, I can tell you three people. No, I'm just teasing. I, I'm not. Uh, it, it just, it's, but you know, because you know. You, you, you know these areas. 
And all I'm saying to you is beware, because these little foxes grow up and they become very large, vicious foxes that will destroy everything that you've built. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. What do you need to do with secret sin? What do you do with these little foxes? Identify them. Ask yourself this, where are areas in my life that I'm cutting corners on character? Where am I kind of shaving the edges on it? Just, it's like everybody may do it in your office. Everybody may do it in your world. It may be something that's completely a norm, but you know that it's contrary to scripture. And so what are those areas that you're just cutting the corners on character? What are the areas where you're rationalizing your behavior? It's not a big deal. I can handle this. I got this. You know how many times that people, and again, I'm not trying to beat up on anybody. This is humanity. But they find themselves in situations where they, they've crashed and burned, and they said this, I never thought it would get to that level. I never thought it would get to that point. I never thought it would be, I never thought it grew so fast. It got beyond me. I, 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 Wow. It got out of control before I could. It's little foxes, little things. What are the little things? What are the things that seem insignificant? Don't just dismiss it. Don't just brush it under the rug. The reason why you sense it in your heart, that's, that's a working of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit searches our souls and searches our hearts. And one of the great things that you're doing right now is that you're finding yourself together on, on Sunday, a day of the week where you're saying, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna set this day apart. I wanna set this time apart from everything else that I'm doing. I wanna come to church. I wanna get in the presence of God and I wanna be palms up. This is not the time to clam up. This is the time to be palms up before the Lord, not before me. Forgiveness for your sins, this is what James says right there in chapter 5, doesn't come from confessing your sins one to another. Healing comes from that. But forgiveness comes from confessing your sins to the Lord. And so if you feel that there is an area where you're, you're cutting a corner or whether or where an area of your life where, where it's just this small thing and it's just this little thing or you think everybody else does it, you're rationalizing your behavior, whatever it may be, in this moment, you put yourself in a place to say, God, search my heart. And at the end of this message today, There'll be a time we'll pray. There'll be a time that the band's going to come out and do, and do a final song before we're dismissed. And that time is a time for you to just say, God, forgive me. God, help me. To call out the sin, to call out the infraction, to call out the mistake, to call out the little fox, to call out the thing. Because what you want to do is you want to own it before it gets any, amount, any more growth or weight to it that becomes destructive in your life. I've heard this said, and I think it's really true. The first, when someone's caught doing something, like it's on the front page of the newspaper, it's not the first time they've done that. They've been doing that. God gives, God's very gracious, and God will get a hold of us, and God will speak to us. And even right now, there are some of you, and I don't know who you are. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just a messenger. 
And I know this because I'm just like you. I have little foxes from time to time that I have to deal with and things that I have to deal with that if I don't deal with are going to become big. And I have struggles and I have weaknesses and I have sin that I deal with and I have all the same issues. I am not trying to blow up on anybody. I'm just one beggar to another beggar where to find food. I'm just showing you how to get out of the burning building before it consumes you, before it owns you, and before it destroys you. But it's the Holy Spirit that begins in moments like this to knock on the door of your heart and go, he's talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm using him to speak in a way. Will you listen? Will you confess it? Will you deal with it? And you can't get into that. Well, she does. Well, he does. No, 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 no. It's not about them. Because when you stand before the Lord, you won't stand before the Lord with your spouse or with your kids or with your parents or with your grandparents or as a family. You will stand before the Lord all by yourself and you will give an account all by yourself. And the phrases he or she or they or them, it doesn't matter at that point. God's going to say, I gave you an opportunity. Why did you accept or reject or what did you do with the life and the talent and the ability that I gave you? That's it. And you go, well, that's kind of scary. It should be scary. We live in a world where we don't want scary. And I get it. I don't like scary either. But there should be a holy reverence and, 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 and awe and respect that we will stand before God for our actions. The good news is, is that there's grace. So if I have sinned, if I have fallen, and the Bible says that we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God, that there's none of us that are righteous, no, not one. But if I do, I have an advocate to the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son. I can boldly go to the throne of grace at any time and obtain all the mercy and all the grace that I need to atone for my sins because Jesus paid it on the cross. But I have to own my sin and I have to confess my sin to him and I have to come before him and ask for his forgiveness and he will forgive me of all my sins and all my unrighteousness, but I have to own it and ask for it. And that's the problem. Well, I gave my life to Christ, so can I just go live the way I want to live? No, Paul says just because we have this thing called grace doesn't mean we should just go do what we want to do. All the more should we want to love Jesus and follow him and follow his word because it's what's best for us. It's the very best plan for us. We're the little foxes. What are the little things that seem inconsequential? Fourth and the final lie is that there's no hope for my marriage. There's no hope for my marriage. I know there are some marriages that are incredibly tough situations and have incredibly tough challenges. Betrayal, infidelity, addictions, all kinds of things. But I just want to say one thing. There is always hope with God. There's always hope with Jesus. Always, always. Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are impossible. That word all in the original Greek means all. I know that's really deep, isn't it? There is no person that's too far gone that God can't reach them. Yeah, but then there's this thing called blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Look, if you're asking, if you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you haven't. Because that means you still have a conscience that you care Blaspheming the Holy Spirit is where it's a seared conscience that you, you don't care. You would not even think to ask the question. It's kind of like if you're sitting in a therapist's office and you go, am I a narcissist? No, the simple fact that you ask if you're a narcissist means that you're not a narcissist because narcissists really don't care if you, they're narcissists or not. They're right, right? So the truth of, this, the, truth of the matter is, is that the very fact that you care enough that you ask to even do any amount of introspection says that, no, you've never crossed that line. There's no person that's too far gone. 
There, there's, 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 there's no marriage that's too far gone. Listen, there is an all-out assault in our world on every living human being on the face of this planet. Like I've never seen in my 51 years on this planet. There's an assault on identity. There's an assault on gender. There's an assault on, on biblical sexuality. There's an assault on people, on their emotions, on their mental, on, on their emotional state and health. There's an assault that's on our kids in this generation. And there's a darkness, it seems like it's around and everything feels very hopeless in our world. But I was reading the other day in the book of Exodus, when God sends Moses back to Egypt from Midian. And and Israel had been under all of the bondage and all the slavery and all the darkness. And in the midst of the plagues that God begins to send in order to allow Pharaoh to let his people go. The Bible says at one point, and there was darkness in all the land of Egypt, but the, light of, but the light still shone in the homes of the Israelites. There's a light in the middle of darkness. This is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, you're the salt of the earth. You're a city that's set on a hill. You're a light that cannot be hidden. There's no way to take out your light because the light that's in you is not you, it's him through you. And with God, all things are possible. And here's what I believe. What I believe in this day and age that we are going to see is that there's a world where there's a lot of hopelessness, a lot of helplessness, and a lot of people that feel like they have lost their ever-loving mind. That's that's in the Aaron newly inspired version of the Bible. But there's a light. There's a light in your home and in your home and in your home and your home. That's one reason why we're talking about marriage today. That's one reason why we're talking about this series in, in this particular season. Because the enemy wants a full-out assault against the marriage, against family, against biblical marriage, against, against human identity and sexuality. Because any time that he can come in and destroy who you are and make you believe that there is no hope, he has you. But that's where Jesus comes in. He is the hope of the world. He is the light of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the light. He is the one that sets the captives free. He is the one that sets at liberty those that have been bound. He is the one that speaks life and truth. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And we know that. But sometimes in our world, it gets so clouded and it feels so heavy and it feels so hunkered down. And our marriages, it may feel like, man, there's just no way this can work. And and prodigal sons and daughters, there's no way they're going to come home. And there's no way this person is going to give their life to Christ, but I'm telling you, (laughs) Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And there's nothing that's impossible with him. He specializes. God loves it when people say, there's no way. Really? There's no way. Really? Oh, there's hope. And here's what I believe with all of my heart. I believe, I believe that God is doing something that he has not done and 50, 60 years in this country. There is, a, there, there, is, there is a spiritual revolution that is beginning to bubble up and beginning to come up. And here's where it's coming from. It's not coming, pardon my French, from us old farts. I, I never said that from the platform. My mother will text me about that. It's not coming from us old people. It's coming from a generation because these kids, your kids, your grandkids, 
These Gen X, not Gen Xers, these millennials, Gen Z, they're, they're in a place where they're like, man, where, where's the hope? Where, 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 where is the purpose? Where is this? And my mental health this, and, and my mental feelings this, and all of this. But what they're looking for is life because the world has gotten dark and the enemy has tried to say there's no hope. But God is showing up and saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you transformative power. The power that raised Christ from the dead is gonna dwell in you and it's going to change you and it's gonna move you and it's gonna do something that God hasn't done in this nation, I think since the 60s, since the Jesus movement, is that there is a movement of people. There is a movement of God's Holy Spirit. There is a movement that's genuine. You don't have to drum it up. You don't have to stir it up. I've been in set, settings like that. that nobody wants that. You don't, you don't have to make it up. It begins to move because there is this need. There is this want. There is this desire that there has to be more, that this world is not my home. I'm only passing through. Amen. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue and the angels, they beckon me. I'm just telling you, there is this, there is this place called heaven. There is this life in Christ. There is a hope and his name is Jesus. And there is this desire to want to see this. And, 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 and I'm just saying all this to say, simply say this, in your marriage today, I think the enemy is going after you, going after your marriage, going after your home, going after your kids. He's trying to take us out because he knows, he knows this, that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He knows that he's already lost and all he's trying to do is a smear campaign to get you to believe the lies of the enemy, to get you to believe the, the gloom and the doom and to get you there. He's just trying to pull you down and weigh you down, but there is a hope and his name is Jesus. And so there is no child that's too lost. There is no person that's too far gone. There is no marriage. I'm gonna keep preaching to you, shout. There is no marriage that's too far broken. There is no person that's beyond the reach of God. God. There is no people group. God has not lost us. He's not forgotten us. He's not forsaken us. He is still here. He's still working. Amen. There is hope. There is hope. So today, if you feel like there's no hope, identify the lies that you're believing. What are the lies? Why do you think this? Re replace the lie of the enemy with the truth of God. Go back to his word. What does God's word say? Not what does Aaron say or what does pastor so-and-so say or what does this worship song say? What does God's word say about the issue? It's interesting because sometimes we feel like, well, I don't know, man, you know, it just feels like there's such division. Have you read the gospels? Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring division. I came to set people apart. There will be sheep and there will be goats. Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about anything else. You wanna deconstruct theology and just go to the red letters? Let's go there. Let's just go there for a moment. Because the deal is, is what's happening in our world is there's this separation of people that are playing church and people that are really Christ followers. People that really wanna serve Jesus, people that really wanna live for God and people that don't. And then, and, and the reason why this is happening is because the world is looking for real. And, and fringe Christianity, uh, church hopping Christianity doesn't appeal to anybody because it's like, oh, well, that's, they're just doing that because that's popular. But people that are sold out the whole route, right? People that are completely radically giving their life to Christ, there's something that's attractive about that. It's what they said about the disciples. These men have been with Jesus. We don't know where they were educated or how they are able to do what they're able to do, but they've been with Jesus. They say that about you? They say that about me? They say that about Life Church? These people have been with Jesus. 
Forget all the lights. Forget all the smoke machines, the disco dust that we fill this room with, whatever they call that. Forget all of that. And all of not, oh, I thought maybe you were Nando. You're not. You're way too tall for Nando. Forget <laughs> all Nando's cool, suave looks and the whole deal and everything else. Cut it all down. Is it real? Yes. <laughs> so take the lies of the enemy and replace it with the truth and speak and live and demonstrate those truths and trust that God can restore what's broken and what's lost. We at Life Church believe, we believe that we exist to see people to experience life change through Jesus. Because the only true life change that can happen is through Jesus. The only true life change that can happen in your marriage and your home is through Jesus. So today, I want to close this way. I, I want to do something. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, and then we're going to do it. That way it just kind of takes any of the apprehension out of it. I want to pray for every married person in the room. And in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand, every person that's married. If you're not with your spouse, that's okay. If you are with your spouse, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to hold hands. Some of you haven't held hands in a while. There's a reason for this. I'm going to help you. And I'm going to pray for you. And here's the reason why I'm praying for you. It's because I believe that there's an attack of the enemy. There always has been. To destroy what God's word says is true. God says where two come together, they become one. And what God has put together, every pastor says this in a, in a, in a, in a marriage ceremony, let no man put asunder. Let no man separate. Because there's a powerful union when two become one. And the enemy of your soul is trying to destroy you. And if he can drive a wedge in your marriage, he can affect your kids. And if he can't drive a wedge in your marriage, then he'll go after your kids and go, well, I don't want that. No, but he can't get to them because God has put a hedge around them. He protects them. The reason why the word says when you train up, train up your child and your children in the way they should go, when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Because the word of God is powerful. It's been deposited in their life. And it doesn't matter how far they run. It doesn't matter how deep in the belly of the well they get. Amen. Maggie, you and I are going to preach this. It doesn't matter where they get to. God's going to bring them home. And I'm just telling you, you can get a Diet Coke and a bag of Funyuns and watch it happen, or you can be a part of it. But God is raising up. God is doing a work. God is doing something in this hour. And here's one thing I have learned in pastoring all these years. It's when the, when the waters begin to move, the pool of Bethesda in the, in the New Testament, the, they, the, the infirm would lay around them, and the Spirit of God would come upon them and would begin to move, and the first one in was healed. So they would lay around and they believed that this is what would happen. When the waters begin to move, when the spirit begins to move, when God begins to move, this is the time to get in. This is not the time to get out. This is the time to press in. This is the time to lean in. This is the time to get all that God has. And I'm telling you, we're in a day and age where the reason why there is so much evil, there's so much vile, there's so much darkness, and it feels like our world, even in America, has flipped is because the enemy knows we're in overdrive. He's in overdrive because the coming of the Lord draws nigh. He knows that the trumpet 
trumpet of the Lord will sound and time will be no more. He knows that he loses. He knows it's in the end and he's trying to do everything he can to pull out a full out assault. But there's no weapon that's formed against you that will prosper, the Bible says, that you will overcome by the blood that Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross and by the word of your testimony, which means you're speaking truth and not the lies of the enemy. And when the lies of the enemy come in, you're speaking and God is gonna raise up a standard. The Bible says that when we can't do anything else, that we find ourselves in that cleft of that rock, that when we surrender ourselves to the Lord, he raises up a standard and that nothing can harm us, that nothing can hurt us. That's your kids, that's your grandkids, that's your nieces and your nephews, that's your family that you're standing that you're praying for. Don't give up, don't quit, don't quit believing. But I think it all goes down to mom, dad, you, you, you. The greatest thing you can do if you have a prodigal son or daughter is just be consistent and faithful in your service of Jesus Christ. Your kids know the truth because you've raised them that way. They'll come back home. Just give them to the Lord. Trust them in the Lord. Again, no man can change any man's heart except the Lord. The Lord's the only one that can give that heart of stone into a heart of flesh. He's the only one that can change the heart. Let him do the work. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Man, I'm preaching the whole Bible today. I'm sorry. I'm just like, but I just want you to understand this. I just truly, truly believe that God wants to do this and the enemy of your soul is lying to you. (coughs) Excuse me. And that we have bought into some of this. There's hope. So today, if you're married, I'm gonna ask you to stand up all on this room. (coughs) Excuse me. If you're with your spouse, I just want you to grab their hand. Even if you fought on the way in, it's a great time to just, uh, I'm gonna help you get over this and get, (coughs) excuse me. Father, I just thank you right now for every person here today. And I pray, Lord, especially this morning for these that are standing, that are married. Some of them are standing with their spouse. Some of them, their spouse may be serving a different area of ministry right now. Maybe they're standing next to them and they're holding their hand. God, I just pray that you would put a hedge of protection around them. I pray, God, for every individual that you would let their heart be soft towards you. Lord, if there's sin, even little sin that's in their life, God, speak to their heart, Holy Spirit. And let, even myself included, and let us be sensitive and responsive to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray that this wouldn't be a 50-50 proposition. (coughs) But Lord, this would be a 100% proposition. God, that you would just put a hedge of protection around each marriage, around each home, around each life. I pray, Lord, whatever trouble may be there, God, that you would drive it out. Whatever hardship may be there, Lord, that you would drive it out. God, you bring the two of us together as one. And I know the enemy wants to divide that because he wants to do anything. It's that spirit of antichrist. Anything that you're for God, he wants to be the opposite of. He is a consummate contrarian. So if you say two become one, you want to divide that. When you assign gender, he wants to change that. When you, when you, when you create human sexuality in a way that, that the husband and the wife, the two a man and a woman come together and be one. He wants to destroy that. That's what we're praying for today. God, that your covenant, that your word, not our tradition, not the church's tradition. This predates the church. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter two. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. In every one of these marriages, in every one of these homes, in every one of these families. I pray for people who their marriages are on the rocks. I pray for hope to be instilled today through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray there'd be hope, there'd be wind in their sails, even maybe for the first time, that something would spark, that something would be there. I pray, oh Lord God, for, for every single, God, for every single individual, Lord, and they're struggling with whatever may be going on. I just pray, God, minister. I know there are people that are standing here today and their spouses are not here because they don't serve you. They don't attend church. I pray, God, for that spouse, that they would come to a saving knowledge of who you are, Jesus, that they'd come into a right relationship with you, not with us, but with you. And Lord, I pray, God, that, that, that not only would there be a saving relationship, but Lord, they would come into a relationship with the church because this is how you designed it to be, is that we come together, how good and pleasant it is. We come together and we dwell in your house. So Lord, I just pray that for every husband and every wife, that they're not serving you and they've got a spouse that's represented here today, I pray, Lord, save their soul and bring them into right relationship with you. Have grace and have mercy and let the love of Jesus Christ flow through this one that's here today. Not as the better one, but Lord, just as another sign of your redemptive work. I pray, Lord, for kids. I pray for grandkids. I pray for families. I pray today, God, do what you wanna do in our lives. Be glorified. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.